Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you so much, praise team, for always, always, always bringing us into his presence. Hallelujah. And a warm welcome to all of us. It's always beautiful to be in his presence. Over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the whole area of evangelism and fruitfulness. Last Sunday, our brother N.K. brought us a wonderful word about pruning, pruning, and how important it is for pruning to happen if we are going to be fruitful how painful it can be, and how it's not only bad things that are pruned from our lives, but even many, many good things have to be taken off for the best to come, so we'll be more fruitful. This morning, we're going to be continuing with our theme of evangelism and fruitfulness, and we're going to be looking at a great example from the master himself, from our champion himself, Jesus. We'll see how he went about it. And uh, we'll be looking at John chapter 4, and... If you want a title for the message, it's Jesus is the answer. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you so much that again and again and again and again, without fail, when we draw near to you, you come to us. Thank you that you are here already. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the work you're doing in our hearts and our minds. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your rest. As we turn to your word, we ask that you continue to meet our needs. We ask that every person here today, O Lord, will be satisfied. Every person here who has questions, O God, will find the answers today. Because Jesus, we believe that all our answers are in you. Holy Spirit, bless us with your word today. Amen. So please turn with me to the gospel according to St. John and to chapter 4. John chapter 4. We find the master himself showing us how to do what we've been talking about for the past six weeks or so, evangelism and fruitfulness. It's a rather long passage which many of you have heard before. But I I think today I would want the passage to speak for itself as much as possible. So I'm going to try and read it out to us. John chapter 4 and from verse 1. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. 
Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift of God, sorry, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I will give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Good question. Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Hallelujah. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I will never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you are right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you are living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? While we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming where it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages. And the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests. And it's true. 
I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Hallelujah. A rather long passage, but I thought it was important that we, we hear it all. And perhaps the Holy Spirit is already speaking to some of us from this passage. I want to bring to us three main things from this really beautiful encounter between Jesus and the Samaritan woman of the well. First, we'll talk about the woman. Then we talk about the Messiah. And then we talk about the outcome of this encounter. So the woman, the Messiah, and then the outcome. First, the woman. We find in this story a woman who is not a Jew. She's a Samaritan. And if you know what that means, it means that she's among those people who were like half Jew, half Gentile. You know? So the Jews despised them, and the Gentiles despised them. They were caught in the middle. Because the Jews considered themselves God's people. The Gentiles, of course, were not God's people. And now this point in the middle had fathers who were Jews and mothers who were Gentiles or the other way around. So both sides rejected them. So already they, they had issues. They had issues. On top of that, she was a woman. This woman was not just a woman, but the story tells us a struggling woman. A woman who had lots of scars. In her history, five husbands. Only God knows why she had to keep changing them. Maybe a lot of abuse. Maybe a lot of hurt. Maybe a lot of pain. We don't know. We don't know. But she had gone through five men. And we know how it was in those days for women. And now she was with someone who was not even her husband. So we find here a woman who, to say the least, was unfulfilled. On top of that, we find a woman who is thirsty. She comes to the well to get water. We find a woman who's hungry, who's searching for something. And of course, a rejected woman, because as most commentaries would tell us, it was tradition and culture in those days for women to go together to the well in the mornings or in the evenings when the sun wasn't out. But we find this woman alone in the hot afternoon coming to the well. It tells you she was an outcast. Probably because of her history. Nobody wanted her. So now the Jews didn't want her, the Gentiles didn't want her, and even her Samaritan folks in the town didn't want her as well. Miserable woman. But this is the woman that we find Jesus encountering. She's a woman who was full of shame. She must have had really low self-esteem. But on top of all this, and perhaps the most painful of it, like for most of us, is that we find here a woman who was actually blind to her own needs. She doesn't even know what she really wants. She doesn't know what to make her fulfilled. 
She's just been trying, jumping from one thing to the other. And that's the story of many of us today. Sometimes we, we cling on to religion, thinking that we'll find our fulfillment in religion. We cling on to their laws. We cling on to our traditions and our values in our tribes and cultures. Sometimes even our races. Sometimes our jobs. Our jobs define us. I am this, I am that. And sometimes our bank accounts or our address, the part of town we live in. We try to find fulfillment in some of these things. And then we forget or we fail to notice what our real need is. That was the story of this woman. She didn't even know what her real need was. And so she was seeking fulfillment in the wrong things and in the wrong places. Sounds like modern days, isn't it? The story of many people looking for fulfillment in many, many different things and in all the wrong places. We search and we search, we try and we try, and it's always elusive. We never find that fulfillment. Talk to the rich guys and they'll tell you there's still an emptiness in there. You know? And we see how they search for it and how we all search for it. Sometimes in sex. Sometimes in alcohol and drunkenness. Sometimes in, in drugs, you know, to, to forget the pain. Sometimes in gambling. In all kinds of world living. Sometimes in just acquisitions. Trying to get more and more and more. If I get the latest one, maybe, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll feel happy. Or that promotion, or that new job. It, it's a story of humanity. Always searching for fulfillment. Looking for that rest. Looking for that peace. And oh my God, it's always ever so elusive. We never grab it. But the real thing this woman needed, and the real thing the world needs, is a savior. We need a messiah. And so that was the woman. And then comes in the Messiah. We find the Holy One of God who came from heaven. The one who had no sin. The very beloved of God. We find him come down on earth to enter our story. This sad human story of lostness, of disillusionment, of hunger, of thirst, which are insatiable of struggle, of pain, we find that God enters this story. Not only that, we find that in this particular story, he enters this woman's space. This woman who the Jews rejected, who the Gentiles rejected, who even her own Samaritans didn't want to have anything to do with. Jesus enters her space. Jesus comes into her story. Hallelujah. Against all odds, because Jews don't speak to Gentiles. Jewish men don't even speak to Jewish women in public. So they don't speak to women as well. More so, who would want to find themselves talking to a woman of questionable character and reputation? And Jesus, in his days, was considered a rabbi. He should keep a distance from this woman. But he went to her. He broke all protocol. Hallelujah. He broke all tradition. He went to this woman. He came into her space. That's not all. We find that he actually engages her in conversation. He seeks to establish a relationship with her. He makes her begin to feel like, hey, you are, you are worthy of something. 
I can come close to you. I can talk to you. I recognize your humanity. I see you are a human being. You know, you can go to a place and you can just see that people don't even see your humanity. And we, we are all guilty of that. Maybe even coming up this morning, you saw a security man standing somewhere. You didn't even notice the person. We, we can be like that. But here, a woman who's so used to being alone, rejected, an outcast, suddenly somebody notices her. And that person comes to talk to her. Not only that, he actually makes himself vulnerable. He asks her for a cup of water to drink. He, Jesus asks for help. And we can learn from that. He's just seeking to build rapport. Just seeking to build relationship. Trying to give her a sense of self-worth as well. You can do something for someone. You have something I need. How often we do the opposite when we go with the gospel. We know we have the good news. We know we have Jesus. We know we have the answer. But often we go and we are like, yeah, I'm the, I'm the one who has it. I'm coming to give it to you. You are the vulnerable one. You are the one who is needy. You are the miserable one going to hell. I have heaven in my hands. I'm giving it to you. But not so with Jesus. Look at his approach. He comes and he actually gives her a feeling of having the upper hand. She has something that he needs. Evangelism should be creative. We should, we should recognize people for who they are. We should respect them for what they have. We should, we should seek to connect in a way that people feel respected and valued. It's very important. And the popular saying goes, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. So Jesus here exemplifies that teaching to us. He had to make the woman know first of all that he has noticed her, that he cares. Then, and only then, will she then be receptive to hear what he has to give. And we should learn that. We should learn that. Let people know you care. Show love. Show grace. Go to them. And build relationship. Build rapport. Before you. Then, when the fellow is receptive, you will know. And then you now give them what you have to give them. Very, very important lesson here for us. Jesus builds rapport. Through the conversation, we find that Jesus exposes her deepest needs. She didn't even realize it. But Jesus exposed it through conversation. By asking some pointed questions. By using the supernatural as well. The power of the Holy Spirit. To be able to know her past and everything. So we don't go in our own strength. We don't go in just human wisdom and power. We need the Holy Spirit. To give us special insight. Special words to speak. One word here. Another word there. And people will begin to open up and loosen up. They begin to see that you have something they need. They begin to be. You know they are, they are, they are own needs are exposed to them. So Jesus asked some one or two questions and suddenly this woman began to realize that, oh, looks like I have a need I did not even realize. She said, oh, really? Then give me this water so that I will never have to be coming here again. It was stepwise. Revelation didn't come at once, but eventually it did come. In the previous chapter, we find Nicodemus as well. When Jesus said, you must be born again, he was confused. He took it to the natural. You mean I should go back into my mother's womb and, and, and be born? You know, it didn't make sense. Spiritual truths take time. People are in the natural, but gradually, Jesus will move you from the natural into the supernatural. So he had to explain to her that no, 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 this water is different. We're not giving the whole conversation, but he must have explained that I'm talking about a different kind of water. When you drink this one, 
Listen, you will never be thirsty again. Suddenly, all your needs get met. Fulfillment will come. You will feel wanted. All the love you've been searching for in all those men, all the acceptance you've been searching for, all that sense of belonging you've been searching for. Listen, I can give it to you one time. If only you knew the gift of God and who it was who was speaking to you, you would ask him to give you the living water which you would drink and never thirst again. Hallelujah. Jesus himself is a gift of God to us. Hallelujah. Jesus is the source of the living water which is the Holy Spirit of God. And that is the answer to the needs of the world. That's the answer to your need and to my need. Hallelujah. It's the answer to the need of every person out there in the world. I'm telling you. Every person you see jumping up and down in the nightclubs, in all the places trying to find fulfillment and happiness and joy. Listen, Jesus is the answer. Those amassing wealth, those trying to do all kinds of things in the celebrity field and you know the TikToks and Instagram trying to look for something for themselves. All those things don't satisfy. The thing about them is the more you get, the more you want. They're like addictions, you know. The more you get, the more you want. But Jesus offers that which satisfies eternally. Hallelujah. He offers himself the gift of God. And he offers the Holy Spirit, which we will see in John chapter 7, is what he called the living water. He says, come to me, all who are thirsty, on the last day of the feast. Come to me, and I will give you living water. And the Bible tells us there that he was talking about the Holy Spirit. The woman's real need was Jesus and the Spirit of God. And Jesus masterfully and cleverly brought her around to a place from the natural to the spiritual that she could understand and perceive that. And we are told that just about this time, well, Jesus eventually actually explains to her that he is the Messiah. So he told her, he gave her, I am the answer. Because she already had some knowledge. There was only some preparation. She said, we know that a Messiah is going to come. He will explain all things to us. So Jesus built on what she already knew, where she was. Then he revealed himself, I am the Messiah. Hallelujah. But let's see what happens then. Once this revelation comes to this woman, everything changes. We are told that the disciples came back and something strange happens. This woman who had come, avoiding the village people who had come to fetch water, she left her jar there. She left it. She forgot about it. And she ran with excitement back into the town. The people she was avoiding, now she goes to them. Where did all the low self-esteem disappear to? Where all the shame and all the fear, where did it disappear to? Suddenly, she had found something. Hallelujah. Suddenly, there was living water bubbling forth from her soul. She ran back to the town. There was excitement. There was joy. The places, the people she was avoiding, now she goes to them. And she goes to them with good news. Come, come, come. Come and see. I have met someone special. Could he be the Messiah? I've met someone who told me everything I ever did. This woman became a herald. This woman became a broadcaster. This woman became an evangelist. Because she had encountered the living water. She had encountered Jesus. She knew she had found the answer. And she gave the right response. Joy, excitement, but not all. She wanted others to come and experience that as well. 
That's what fruitfulness is all about. It's about love. It's about encountering love and sharing that love with others. That's what she did for us. So the outcome of the encounter, she believed. She's transformed. We find her filled with joy, with purpose, with freedom from guilt and shame. Suddenly, she's able to confront all those people, and she, now becoming a worshiper, goes to tell them that, hey, I have encountered someone. I have tasted of something. Come and enjoy it as well. And the Bible says that many others came to Jesus. They begged him to stay for two more days in the, in the town. And he stayed in Sika for two more days. And he says, many people believed as well. Hallelujah. What a beautiful story. So the outcome, the woman believes. She finds the answer to her problems and her deepest needs. She is transformed. She, she just jumps, runs out, leaves the water jar there. She doesn't want natural water anymore. She's found living water. So she forgets about that. She runs to the town and she wants to tell everybody about the living water. And then they all come in as well. And they also hear Jesus. They meet him for themselves. And they actually told her, now we believe not because of what you told us, but we have encountered him ourselves. Hallelujah. And they also became believers. But that's not all. We are told that there was another outcome. Jesus also was fulfilled. Hallelujah. The woman forgot her natural water, left the jar, but Jesus also forgot his natural food. Disciples came back and they brought the food. And he wasn't interested. He said, are you not hungry? He said, I have food that you know nothing about. Hallelujah. So Jesus was fulfilled as well because he had done the will of the Father. So the outcome was beautiful all around for everyone. Jesus said, at one point, he said, ask of me and I'll answer you so that your joy will be complete and my Father will be glorified. It's always a two-way street. God seeks to bless us. He seeks to meet our every need. He wants us to, to have our joy complete in him because in that, he also finds glory. That's what satisfies the Father. There's nothing that makes heaven rejoice more than when souls come to discover God. When they get born again, when they get saved, there's rejoicing in heaven. And that is what God wants for us. He wants the whole city to be transformed. He wants us to tell people, after we have drank of the living water, after we are born again, he wants us to go and tell others as well. That is our mandate, ACC. That is our mandate, people of God. Drink, but don't keep it to yourself. Go out there, invite others to come and drink as well. Amen. I don't know if there's anyone here who has questions. I am convinced that Jesus is the answer. Here at SCC, we know that Jesus is the answer. I want to encourage you at the end of the meeting, if you have questions, I'll be at the back there. Please do come by. Let's talk. Let's talk. You might just have all your questions answered today. You might just have all your needs met today. You might just find life today. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.